you know as soon as you nail it, like, it just makes you feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) And then once you get that, you start flying, and then you can, like, feel the speed in your suit, and you hear the wind in your, you know, in your, behind your helmet. And, like, just, when you know when it feels good, like, you can actually, like, start following the mountain, and you can fly closer to the ground. And when everything lines up, it's just, like, it's like magic. From Transylvania Mountain Festival, I'm Anka Berglo, and this is a summer edition of the podcast recorded in Chamonix. In this episode, we talk with Alan Brennan Fratt, wingsuit base jumper from USA, who moved in 2012 close to Chamonix for access to the Alps verticals. She follows her passion of wingsuit base jumping to explore the boundaries of what we think is possible. Her dedication to the sport has led her to become one of the top female athletes in her field. Best known for her feats in wingsuit competitions, Ellen has become known as the fastest flying woman in the world. Welcome Ellen to the podcast. Thanks for having me here. Ellen, why do you fly? So I, I honestly never thought I was going to be a wingsuit base jumper. Um, I was like a very like city girl and then for my 18th birthday I decided to go skydiving and I just jumped out of an airplane and I invited my dad to come with me and he was like yeah that was so much fun and I was like I loved it and he's like you know if you love it just do it again like you can go more than once so he gave me this idea this is something I could do as like my hobby so I started skydiving a bunch and then one thing led to the next so I eventually learned how to jump out of hot air balloons and then I became a base jumper jumping off of bridges and then off of like small cliffs and then what really changed was like a few years after I started base jumping I came to Switzerland in Lauterbrunnen which is like a mecca for learning how to jump off of bigger cliffs and I was jumping in what we call a tracksuit so like a baggy pants and a baggy jacket kind of helps you move away from a big cliff but not that well and I had a few friends jumping wingsuits and they were able to fly their wingsuit like way out to the middle of the valley which is super safe because if you're in the middle of a valley you can open your parachute up and Mm -hmm. you're not risking hitting any cliffs that you're just jumped off of behind you (laughs) so I was like wow I really want to do this sport safely so I decided I'd start wingsuit base jumping just because it was like the safest way to jump off of a cliff at that time (laughs) which sounds ridiculous now because the sport has like morphed into something completely different. But when I jumped, um, I think it was like 2007 when I was starting wingsuiting, maybe 2008, I don't remember exactly. But back then, like the suits were really small and didn't fly that well, but they, and uh, basically everyone's goal was just to fly straight out from a cliff and open in space. So the goal is to fly as far as you could. And now as the sports progressed and as the wingsuits have developed, we've been able to fly with like a much better glide with more speed. So now we can actually like follow the mountains and follow the terrain and like fly with the mountain, which is obviously a bit more dangerous, but like really pleasing. <laughs> so did your father continue flying as well or jumping So after my- that? <laughs> My dad, he finished um, like the introduction course to become a skydiver, mm-hmm. or like you do seven jumps with an instructor, but then after he finished that, he decided he'd just stick with paragliding instead, because it's like easier for him to do that. But no, he's always been like an adventurous person, and he's always like encouraged me to follow my passions, and you know, like when I told him I wanted to move to France to come wingsuiting and uh, try to this full time, he was totally uh, supported me on that decision, so... 
yeah, I'm happy to have him in my life for that. Oh, that's He's, awesome. Yeah. So, so <laughs> even if it was like the sport was right at the beginning, um, the wingsuit, uh, base jumping, he wasn't afraid for you or well, he, yeah. <laughs> how did that go when you told him that he, he yeah. took me skydiving and now I'm going to go base jumping yeah, using I, the wingsuit? I, I mean, I'm sure he was afraid, but he didn't like, um, he wasn't going to hold me back. Like he, he's always been somebody who follows his passion. So he understands like how that's like what brings happiness to life. And one of my main goals in life is to like be happy. Mm -hmm. So everything I've done in my life has been based around doing what I can to make sure that I'm happy. Because mm -hmm. once you're happy, you know, everything's so much easier. Of course. <laughs> um, but he's like one of the people that kind of taught me that idea. And so he, he sees that in me and he supports that. How, do you practice any type of mental training? Yeah. Um, so there's a few different things that I've done throughout the process of uh, my experience in this sport. I definitely, like, when I first started, was doing a lot of, like, visualization. So I was learning how to jump my suit, and I wasn't exactly sure how to do it right. So I knew how I wanted it to look. So before I'd do a jump, I'd visualize, like, a perfect uh, exit. So, like, when I first jump off the cliff, I'd visualize a perfect flight and all the different movements of my body that I would need to do in order to make my suit fly well. And then I also, like, visualize a perfect parachute opening, which I think is, like, the most important part of the whole jump is having a nice parachute opening. Um, so I did a lot of visualization. And then after I kind of got the basics down, I started realizing that, like, my mood affected a lot of how I would fly. So, like, if I was stressed, I realized I wasn't flying as well. If I was tired, I realized I wasn't flying as well. And I started realizing that, like, the mental aspect of the sport is massive. It's like maybe larger than like the physical skills to make this sport happen. Um, so I was like, okay, how do I like quantify that so I can check in with myself easier? Cause I wasn't like, I knew that sometimes I was stressed but I wasn't really sure how to like recognize that in myself very well. Um, so I started measuring my heart rate when I was jumping. And it, it was, was super helpful <laughs> actually. It helped me learn a lot. So, like, I realized that, like, before I jumped off the cliff, if my heart rate was, like, 140, 150, um, and I jumped, like, usually I was super rigid and stiff and I didn't fly very well. Uh, usually it was, like, a horrible jump. Um, and then I realized if I could, like, calm my heart rate down and, like, jump when my heart rate it was, like, 110, 120, um, which is, like, the lowest it ever gets before I jump off the cliff, by the way. <laughs> Um, that like if I could jump and my heart rate was that low, then my flight would go really well. Mm -hmm. So I started just, I was able to like put a number on my feelings in a weird way, or mm -hmm. my, put a number on my stress at least. And yeah, so I learned how to like calm myself down. Like if I'd see my heart rate was really high, I would learn to like just take a step back and like check in to figure out why I was stressed. First of all, like, is this a jump that's too dangerous for me is there a reason I shouldn't be jumping mm -hmm. <laughs> or is it just because I've like been hiking a lot and I'm just tired and like uh, not not ready yet like I haven't recovered enough from my hike in order to jump or you know there could be a million reasons so I would use like my heart rate to tell me what I needed to do and if it was something I could fix with like a breathing technique you know like just taking some slow breaths and relaxing a little bit doing some more visualization watching like a successful jump in my head <laughs> like usually those things would help my heart rate come down and then I could jump so how does a perfect flight feel like from preparation till landing yeah perfect flight so 
usually it starts out with having a really nice good sleep okay <laughs> followed by like a little breakfast you know a little something to eat and then usually there's a, a big hike so most of the base jumps we do the hike takes about like two and a half hours on average like 1,500 meters of hiking with a backpack mm-hmm. that is about 10 kilos more or less okay I know how that feels yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people listening might have an idea of how that feels um, and we start hiking usually seven in the morning. So we get to the top at like nine thirty ten. And for me, like the perfect conditions to fly in are like between 10 and 11 in the morning because like the sun is out. So you're warm and you can see the flight really well because the mountains lit up from the sun, but it's not too hot yet where there's like thermals in the air, making the air bumpy. And it's not too hot that there's a windy, like it's windy in the landing area. Mm-hmm. So like there's this perfect little window to jump between 9 and 10 <laughs> that I'd okay. love to jump in. <laughs> and let's see, another thing that makes the jump perfect is like having good friends that you're with on the exit point. So like... An exit point is the place, the place where you, you jump, jump from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the jumps that we call jumps exit points. Mm-hmm. Um, the friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> the company, the support. Yeah. Yeah, so as friends, it makes a huge difference of if, like, uh, you're up the top of a mountain with people you really like and you're sharing this really cool experience with them and everyone's really excited. Like, it's really nice to share that with people. Who understand um, what you feel. Yeah, what you exactly. Go through. That are up there, like, saying, what are you doing? This sounds crazy. <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, yeah, this is crazy. Let's do it. <laughs> and then, yeah, perfect flight is, like, having a really important part of the jump for me is, like, the exit. So it's, like, the moment from pushing off the cliff until like three or four seconds into the flight. It's where you don't have, uh, you haven't reached terminal velocity yet. You haven't reached full speed. So you have to make sure you push off at a really specific angle to get your wingsuit flying the fastest possible. And that you just feel, you just know how you should position yourself. Well, you learn it (laughs) over lots of jumps and trials. You learn how to find that perfect angle. Um, But yeah, it's like, um, and it's, this angle's also changed as wingsuits have developed. So the technique for jumping off a cliff is totally different now than what it was 10 years ago. Um, but getting like just the perfect angle and getting your suit flying fast without diving, without having to fight for it. Like it just, you know, as soon as you nail it, like it just makes you feel so good. (laughs) And then once you get that, you start flying and then you can like, feel the speed in your suit and you hear the wind in your, you know, in your, behind your helmet. And like, just, you, when you know when it feels good, like you can actually like start following the mountain and you can fly closer to the ground because usually the air has to feel good and everything too. And when everything lines up, it's just like, it's like magic. You know, it's like... Definitely because we're not really supposed to do that. Yeah. And like... You, you know, you just like feel confident in your suit. You feel confident in how you started your flight. And, and then yeah, you need then to land. Then you land. So <laughs> that's the last and very most important part of the jump is when your parachute opens. So for me, this is like, especially now, like the most stressful part of the jump for me, because even if you do everything perfectly, there's like this small element of just bad luck. And like, there's a possibility that your parachute could open up with like a knot in the lines or something horrible with like a line over the top of the parachute and it, it there's sometimes you can fix it and sometimes you can't and sometimes 
you fix it and you're able to land safely and sometimes you can't fix it and you smash into the ground and you break your bones or like even worse you can die you know and it's um even if you spend a long time packing your parachute perfectly and making sure everything's right and making sure you have the perfect body position on opening like I feel like this is like the one small factor of wingsuit base jumping that like there's some element that's just out of my control mm-hmm. and that's like super terrifying for me mm-hmm. <laughs> so as soon as I finally have an open parachute <laughs> then I'm like really happy because <laughs> now I can land and it's that part's easy like flying a parachute to the ground is no problem you said that you can um, learn to wingsuit base jump these days there are schools you didn't attend the school right right so when I started this wingsuit base jumping they recommended that you have a couple hundred skydives and that you've skydived your wingsuit and then they recommend that you go to a big cliff like in Lauterbrunnen or in Norway and that you can go jump off there and usually you can find a mentor in the area that can like help make sure you go to the right jumps and kind of help give you some good tips but like it wasn't that apparent of like where to find a good mentor you had to like have friends new friends and try to get in contact with these people and get along with them and get along with them and have these people be willing to take somebody who's like a beginner to the edge of a cliff and say yeah it sounds like a good idea for you to jump off the cliff right now (laughs) like it's hard to find those people (laughs) I wouldn't do that like I wouldn't take a new beginner to a a cliff and say yeah yeah go for it like this is a good idea (laughs) because like yeah it's just a it's a lot of um risks yeah it's like well there's a lot of risk and it's like um puts a lot on my shoulders to take somebody to an exit point and say go for it looks good because what if it's not good what if something doesn't happen and I said it was okay and it wasn't okay I just don't want that on my conscience so yeah you have to find somebody that's willing to do that yeah (laughs) there's a few of them out there now but um yeah, back in the day, it was like I was kind of just learning with friends. Like, we were all kind of learning it together. And some of my friends had been jumping for, like, a year more than me or maybe two years more than me. But, like, none of us were, like, mega experienced when I started. So mm-hmm. a lot of it was, like, just trying to, like, find safe places to go and taking our time and looking at videos and analyzing analyzing our flights. But nowadays, there's actually, like, a few different schools that have become pretty well known in the base jumping world and they will teach you how to jump safely from a bridge they'll teach you how to jump safely from like a bigger cliff and then eventually if you've gone through those courses with them they'll teach you how to go wingsuit base jumping so it's actually organized they recommend that you have i think at least at least 200 base jumps before Oh man, I'm gonna mess up these numbers. So sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Don't quote me on this. A couple hundred jumps skydiving okay. before you can get into the course, and then they recommend you also, you know, you have quite a few wingsuit skydives before you take your wingsuit off of a cliff. Like when I did it, it was stupid. I think I maybe had like fifteen or twenty wingsuit skydives before I jumped it off of a cliff, and now I think they recommend hundreds. So. Mm-hmm. I I, kind of did it a little bit cowboy style and I got really lucky and looking back on it I would never recommend anybody get into the sport the way I got into it but it worked out okay how many years passed until the sport arrived at this stage where there is a school to do that to learn how to do that a method to learn how to actually wingsuit base jump the first like wingsuit school started I think in 2016 um 
there's a school called Next Level that started, and they started offering, like, wingsuit camps. Mm -hmm. And then there's one other school, Learn to Base Jump, based out of Switzerland, and they started around the same time, like, 2016, 2017. It's only been a few years that, like, there's wingsuit base jumping being taught professionally. Uh, This is more of a delicate question. What's the mortality rate in this sport? Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) mm. The biggest problem with making a mortality rate for our sport is that there aren't any good statistics for how many people are jumping and how many jumps are being made every year. There's a few places that are taking, trying to gather statistics, like in Lauterbrunnen, you have to register if you're going to jump in that valley, and they tell you, you tell them like how many jumps you're planning on making that year, so they can get an estimate of how many jumps are made and how many people are jumping. But still, not but everybody registers. Not everybody registers, and that's only one teeny little dot on the map in this whole world that we can jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't even begin to tell you like the mortality rate. Normally, there's about 30 deaths per year mm-hmm. of base jumping. So we have like a list of the base fatality list. So when somebody dies base jumping... This gets posted on the list, and that way every base jumper can see it and learn from it. There's a forum, basejumping.com, right? Yes. And that's where the list is? No, so it's... I don't think the list is there. No? It's base fatality list. I haven't looked at basejumper.com in a really long time. I try to stay off of the forums because it's just a whole bunch of nonsense usually. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not into it at all. I like to like do my sport because I love it and I love to be in the mountains and I don't like any drama that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Like I do my thing and that's it. Like I don't need to look at there's you know there's a lot of like brand wars going on between like different manufacturers and people are like they get super tribal about it and it's like just an exhausting way to spend your energy, I think, like fighting True. about which suits are better and which places are better to jump and which style of jumping is the best way of jumping and as long as you enjoy yourself. Yeah, like if you like what you're doing and you like what you're flying, like just just do it. <laughs> yeah, but this you, don't, is... you don't need to convince other people that what you're doing is the best thing you're doing. Like... But this is human nature. Like you don't find there are more or less competitive people and more or less, let's say, serene people <laughs> in this life. And you don't declare yourself to be a competitive person. Yeah. But well... you have participated in competitions though. Yes. Okay. I, I really don't feel competitive. Like, when I'm doing this sport, I'm doing it for me, and I'm doing it to have fun mm-hmm. and to be outside and share an experience with really cool people. But um, when I moved out to Europe, um, wingsuit base jumping competitions had just started getting started. And I, since I wasn't working, I had the opportunity to, like, participate in these competitions. And it was super cool. <laughs> like, I never... I was a little bit nervous when I, when I first went to the first competition, and then I realized that, you know, here I am at a competition, in quotes, but I'm here with, surrounded by all of my friends. And it's the beginning of the season, so we're all, like, wearing new wingsuits, so we're all trying to learn how to fly our new suits, and we're all doing mm-hmm. it together. Like, we're all at the same stage. And everyone was helping each other, everyone was giving each other tips, and everyone was like, okay, you know, last jump, I, I tried to follow the line like this, but this time I think I want to try to follow the line a little differently because this is why I think it'll be faster. And he's like, we were sharing this information with each other because we're all trying to figure it out because it, it was brand new and it was mm-hmm. super cool. Like I learned so much about wingsuiting like in the first 
season or two of competition just because I don't feel like a lot of people were competitive at that stage. Like it was just like, uh, we're all learning together. Okay. And also it's like super hard to compete in this sport when it's like, um, the risk is really high. Like, you know, it's a very risky sport, so you can't push it too hard. You know, you can't fly at a hundred percent. You have to give yourself like a 20% margin of error at the, the least, you know, I like to fly with like a huge margin for air, but like if you're pushing it to the very maximum, like you still want to leave room, some wiggle room in case your parachute doesn't open perfectly or in case the air doesn't feel right. And yes, on competition, like you have to just always check into reality and know that like, Hey, like, yeah, this might be a competition, but like we all want to get out of this alive. So like, let's keep this like a little bit light. What's pushing to the max or like, like what, what is that? Yeah. So what do you like, understand for? So like my, pushing it to the max, so like for instance, like, Example, something specific. <laughs> yeah, like, well, for, yeah, like the cliff you choose to jump from. You can choose to jump from a cliff that is like 200 meters tall or choose to jump from a cliff that is like 80 meters tall. Okay. And nowadays your wingsuit starts flying typically like set by 70 meters. It starts to fly and then, you know, like by 120 meters your wingsuit's flying really well. So the higher, the better. The higher, the safer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the higher the cliff, the bigger margin for error. Like you could um, jump off the cliff and maybe you dive head down for a little while, which, because you pushed at the wrong angle, now you're flying at an angle that's not ideal. It takes you longer to get your wingsuit flying away from the mountain. So if you have a cliff that's 200 meters tall, that's totally fine. But if you have a cliff that's only 80 meters tall, Okay. Now you don't have any margin for error. You don't have the opportunity to like jump and fly head down for a minute. It's a, mm -hmm. not a minute, you know, a second, half a second, <laughs> but still it's like, it makes a huge difference. So like when you're competing, like you need to like, uh, if you're going for speed, maybe you want to actually jump off the cliff and dive head down for a little bit. So you need mm -hmm. to have a bigger cliff with a bigger margin for something like that to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I was to go like 100% uh, giving everything I had, I would choose like a very short cliff to jump off of with like a very hard flight, like a distance flight where I'd have to have a very good glide. And then, you know, you're opening like glow to the ground so you don't have any opportunity to fix your parachute if something doesn't go right. Like all this, this all sounds like a very, very bad idea. <laughs> sounds like the stupidest thing someone could do. But um, like some people like having that challenge. I know a few people that like to make jumps like that. Mm -hmm. And their risk or their assessment of risk is different than my assessment of risk. Mm -hmm. And what they're comfortable with is different than what I'm comfortable with. <laughs> um, you still have the record for the fastest female flying? Yeah, I'm not sure I can claim that anymore. <laughs> Like, I'm not, haven't done competition since 2017, and there's been fewer and fewer wingsuit base jumping competitions happening, so... Why? Um, it's just getting less sponsors, so, like, yeah. less sponsorship, so less... Funds to organize, yeah, I understand. You know, <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, right now, there's the world base race that happens in Norway that's still going on, I believe, and then there's the World Wingsuit League which is like the World Cup, I guess you could say, that happens in China every year. Mm -hmm. And for the last few years, I've been like the only girl invited to go. So mm -hmm. I guess 
technically, <laughs> I could say, of the no other girls competing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What speed did you? So reach? it wasn't ever. I never actually. Um, it was winning head-to-head -head competitions mm -hmm. to be declared the fastest. It wasn't ever okay. like a measured measured with GPS. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. I have jumped with GPS. Um, but I never looked at it enough to see like my fastest speed. Oh, so yeah. the people that are getting super fast speeds wingsuit jumping now is from airplanes. And you can jump out and you can dive down like straight pretty much and you get going super fast. Mm -hmm. So technically like there's some wingsuit skydiver girls that are flying way faster than I fly <laughs> from airplanes. It's just a different sport and it's mm -hmm. like a different way of practicing it. So it depends, yeah, how you want to quantify that. Mm -hmm. about I'm thinking of technique you know how do you you can fly really close to the the mountain how do you do that yeah so it's like the wingsuits are really actually quite easy to fly like um they're built like paraglide they're built in like a paragliding factory in the ozone paragliding factory is mm -hmm. where the squirrel wingsuits are made and they're super precise and they actually like are very reactive And if I'm flying down a mountain and I want to go left, like all I have to do is basically look left and like my body follows a little bit and I turn left. And if mm -hmm. I want to go right, I just like lean right. So yes. it's not that complicated. Yeah, so it's like in all sports, just uh, the body follows the, the yeah. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Like where you, you look, that's where you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's like also a problem, like if you're landing your parachute and you're looking at a tree, like you're probably going to land in the tree. <laughs> so like don't look at the tree if you're going landing. Okay. It's called object fixation. It's a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, the suits like it almost feels like they fly themselves. Maybe it's because I've been doing it for like so long that it happens so easily for me. But um, yeah, look left, turn left, look right, turn right. Um, you never want to like look up because as you start going up, you start bleeding off air, and then you're you lose all your speed and you fall from the sky. Okay. So never look up, which is one thing that is very unnatural. Like if you're flying down a mountain and you want to get away from the mountain, you think, oh, I want to look up so I can fly away. But you actually have to like cup air, like almost like bend down and like pick up air to fly mm -hmm. up and away from the mountain. Turn into pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you stick your hand out the window of your car, you'll feel mm -hmm. how the air flies differently on your hand, depending on mm -hmm. how you change the angle of your hand. And that's a lot like wingsuiting. So you need to find the way to get the most lift. Mm -hmm. What other sports do you practice and how do you choose them? I used to climb quite a lot and then when I moved to Europe I started wingsuiting a lot more than climbing mm -hmm. because the style of climbing I like to do is like mostly like crack climbing in southern Utah like on red rocks so I'm good at that kind of climbing very bad at sport climbing mm -hmm. <laughs> and coming to Chamonix like if you like to crack climb that's cool but it's like up in the high mountains and Or in Italy. There's not very many... I can't find very many people that are motivated that want to go do that kind of climbing. I don't know why. They say it hurts their feet, so I guess they have a good reason. There's like a lot of guides in this area that do that kind of climbing, but on their days off, they don't want to go with me. So it's okay. So I just stuck with wingsuiting for most of the time. And now, recently, I got back into paragliding. And that's been really fun. Like, I started paragliding a long time ago, like when I started skydiving. And then when I moved to Europe... It got put on the back burner because I was so excited about wingsuiting. But the last two years, I've gotten way more into paragliding, and my husband started to paraglide too, so it made it a lot more fun. And we're getting into, a, there's many ways to paraglide, but we're getting into like 
cross-country paragliding. Okay, which is, long distance. Yeah, so much fun. Super scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, way scarier than wingsuiting. Really? In my eyes. Yeah, I think it's just because there's, you know, there's so much to learn. Like, it's, it's like, it's fascinating because you need to understand the weather really well. You need to understand your wing really well. You need to be able to, like, handle your body in a stressful situation for hours as opposed to, like, wingsuiting you jump and you're stressed maybe for like a minute but paragliding can be flying for hours and like in turbulent conditions so I'm like always on edge and like just trying to make sure my paraglider doesn't collapse on me and it's just like it's intense it's super intense <laughs> I don't like I don't understand why people feel like paragliding is such a safe sport because like I don't know it's scary <laughs> but it's been cool to like trying to you know like launch from one town and see how far I can fly or see if I can fly around to many different areas and come back to where I started sometimes you don't make it so you have to like take the train back home which Mm -hmm. is also an adventure um yeah that's like become a bit more of um starting to become like my new passion and slowly replacing wingsuiting at the moment because Mm -hmm. I feel like I've done wingsuiting like I've experienced a lot of that sport I've been doing it for like 13 years or something like that I've jumped a lot of cool places I've done a lot of cool things and it's kind of feel like okay check done like next challenge Mm -hmm. in life so yeah paragliding has become pretty Mm -hmm. interesting I definitely feel like still a beginner though you know I've only been doing it for a few years and Mm-hmm. I have a lot to learn. Like we're gonna go to Turkey next month to go do um an SIV course, a Civ course, which I probably should have done years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I'm doing it. Which is a course to help you learn how to fly your par- paraglider in conditions like that are not ideal. So what happens if your paraglider collapse? Like mm-hmm. how to fix that situation before going to your reserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. Terrified, yeah. super terrified, but really excited. <laughs> but you like learning. Yeah. <laughs> Has uh, maternity influenced your the switching? Like... Yeah. So I, when I knew I wanted to have a kid, I was like, okay, like I'm not gonna stop wingsuiting because I have a kid because I love the sport and it's my passion and like I live for it. And I don't want to stop just because I have a kid. Like I don't want to resent. That I want to stop because I want to stop, not because I feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was pregnant, I didn't really jump. I did some skydiving, but no base jumping. And then after my baby arrived, I was super tired <laughs> and like not even capable of <laughs> considering the idea of jumping. And then finally, after like a few weeks, I was able to like get some more sleep. And I went base jumping when he was six weeks old, I think was when I first started jumping again. And it felt really, really good to be in the air because I hadn't been jumping for like almost two years, it felt like. I think it was a year and a half I hadn't jumped. And it felt amazing to go jumping again. Mm -hmm. So I've been like jumping from helicopters quite a bit and base jumping when I can. But it's been hard to find like somebody who's available to watch my baby at six in the morning when I need to leave the house to go hiking and it's also been like the more I've been hanging out with my baby and like the more he's growing up and becoming like this cutest little thing ever like the more I want to spend time with him (laughs) and like sometimes I'm like you know what instead of like going base jumping I kind of rather just like hang out with him and like play ball (laughs) like 
he's only 10 months old right now, but it's like, it's so cute to watch him grow up and it's been like so adorable. And I like, am starting to realize like, that like wingsuit base jumping is quite risky and is it really worth it to take that risk when I've got this cute little munchkin at home? Like sometimes, yeah. Like sometimes I feel like going base jumping is like, if I had the perfect conditions and everything's lining up right, like I, I still would go. Like I tried to go yesterday, but it was too windy. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's off the table, but it's mm-hmm. like becoming less appealing, okay. which is also why paragliding is becoming more appealing. Cause I think your margin for air is quite larger than wingsuiting. So yeah, life changes. You don't it's have simple. to be the same thing you were 20 years ago. It's not who you are today for most people. And that's fine. Yeah, well, we're evolving. Yeah, it's fun to evolve. Yeah. Otherwise, life is really boring. <laughs> yeah. Your husband is also a wingsuit base jumper. Do you think you could have had a lifetime partnership with somebody who could not, who wasn't practicing this? No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I don't think so. I tried dating somebody who didn't base jump, and it was like, I remember him saying at one point, he's like, the only way I could hang out with you is if I base jumped, because you spend all your time jumping. I was like, yeah, basically. And then it was like a week later, I was like, okay, this isn't going to work out. Because <laughs> he like, you know, he wanted to hang out with me, but didn't want to base jump, obviously. And I was like, yeah, sorry. Like, base jumping is like... Your life. It's my life. Like, and if you don't fit into that mold, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but no, so, yeah, but like, my husband and I, like, we understand each other. We understand, like, when we first met, we were both, like, um, getting ready to move to Europe to pursue jumping and, like, be in this environment. Mm-hmm. And, like, we both had the same goals to, like, live our passion to the fullest and like really like dive into it so it worked out really well that we both were like super into this sport and we started around the same time like I think I had like a few more years experience than him but like we were on the same path and we both like we get each other like it's kind of sudden a lot not many people understand people like us that like to take mm-hmm. risks like this and sometimes it's really hard to explain to people it and like If they don't understand it, then never understand it. So thankfully, we understand each other. (laughs) That's the most important. How about social pressure? Did you feel at any point that you're a bit weird that you're not living like everybody else? No. I mean, there's like, the world is so like diverse. There's like, there's a spot for everybody in this world. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, thankfully, the world is diverse and we need a bunch of different types of people in order to make this world function like we need people that are willing to like stay at home and want to just like make a really nice cozy home and there's people that need to go out and explore and like push the boundaries and find new things there's people that need to like go invent things there's people you know there's like everybody needs to play their role in this world and I didn't feel like I ever had any real pressure on me to like stay at home and be like a stay-at-home mom and make a family I never felt pressure that I needed to like follow this career path that was like laid out for me at the beginning like it's um, which is being a nurse yeah so like normally like I had my I had my career plan laid out for me at the beginning of like okay I'm gonna go work in this part of nursing for this many years and then go do like a master's program and you know follow the steps and eventually maybe become like you know there's many different ways that a nursing career can evolve And then I started wingsuit base jumping and I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to take some time off of nursing and I'm going to go wingsuiting. <laughs> and like, sounds like kind of 
uh, risky, I guess. A lot of people would say like just dropping a job like that to go exploring the mountains is risky, but like, I don't know, I feel like I had a good opportunity to do it and I was capable of doing it. So why not? Like, right. why not? <laughs> so what skills do you think uh, are needed to be a good base jumper or wingsuit base jumper? Because these are two different sports. You have actually in flying, mm -hmm. you have, there's the skydiving, parachutics, base, base jumping, proximity flying and wingsuit base jumping. These are all different. More or less, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what skills, what makes a good base jumper or wingsuit base jumper? Yeah. Ooh. Well, there's all different types of wingsuit base jumpers in this world. <laughs> But I'd say like the best wingsuit base jumpers are people who aren't in a rush to, to do things. Um, so you can start wingsuit base jumping by like just jumping off a cliff and flying out in space and being very safe. And then you can do like wingsuit proximity flying where you're flying your wingsuit close to the ground and following the mountain, which is quite a bit more dangerous. And a lot of people that I think are maybe not the best wingsuiters or the best people to become wingsuiters are the people that come to Europe have two weeks vacation and haven't done much training and just want to go fly at proximity line really close mm -hmm. to the ground without doing any like warm-up jumps or like recon jumps like where you fly high above the line before you fly down in the mountain so yeah people who are like in a rush definitely not good wingsuit base jumpers you have to be able to like take your time in this sport and it's not going anywhere you know like it's only evolving and becoming more safe so like mm -hmm. there's really no rush Um, you also have to be able to like be quite analytical. Like you have to be able to understand the situation you're getting into and like understand it, like the, the weather that's happening. You have to also understand like your personal skill level, like what you're capable of doing physically. So to and be then, realistic. Yeah. You have to be a realistic person. That's a good <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> like let's not, we're not superheroes here. <laughs> like we're not like special We, we all have the possibility of dying. So like, let's yeah. just be realistic here and like stay within our limits. It's not that hard to do. It's still pretty freaking awesome to jump off of a cliff and fly mm -hmm. <laughs> down. You don't have to be touching the ground to make it cool. Um, also, like it's I think it's important for people to understand like why they're doing the sport and just being honest about it. Like It's fine if you love doing the sport because you love taking really cool videos of the lines you're flying. But like just... Don't fool yourself and say that you're doing this for other reasons. Just say, like, yeah, I like doing this work because I think it's really cool the videos I can make from it. And sharing those videos with people is really fun. And there's other people that just... With the attention. This will yeah. be the attention. Yeah, people just like it sometimes for the attention, which is fine. But just, like... Stay alive. <laughs> yeah, stay alive. Just be realistic about why you're doing it and, like, don't push it to get a video. I mean, the videos look cool either way. It doesn't mm. have to be, like, super hardcore to, like, be impressive. Yeah, and there's other people that like to practice the sport that like are super low key and go like high in the Alpine mountains and like um, climb super crazy stuff and get to the top of a summit and then wingsuit down and like don't tell anybody about it. And they're doing like the coolest, most extreme stuff in the world and not sharing it with anybody. <laughs> so your future plans are now to paraglide. Paraglide. Yeah, yes. Focus on paragliding. Focus on raising my baby. Mm -hmm. um, focus on getting back into nursing. Mm -hmm. continue base jumping when I feel like it mm -hmm. I'd probably be jumping more from helicopters than from cliffs mm -hmm. just seems 
more realistic at the moment because I don't need to wake up at six in the morning to do that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't feel like, yeah, not putting any limitations on myself, just kind of like doing what feels good, not doing what feels bad, listening to myself. Good closing line, listening to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to share these thoughts with yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> It's really cool. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Transylvania Mountain Festival podcast. If you like writing in the mountains, you might be interested in the call for essays we're about to launch. Do you already have a mountain story or feel inspired to write one? Then send us your words up to 2000 at info at transylvaniamountainfestival.ro. Accepted essays will be published in the stories section of the festival website. Also, if you like our show, feel free to give us a rating and a review on iTunes or any other app you like listening to podcasts. Until next time, this is Anka Beckler, your host. Enjoy the verticals. <laughs>